The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour was just on the show a few weeks ago talking about his book, Nailing It, and uh, how history's awesome 20-somethings got it together. And uh, he's already gotten it together to come out with another book that he's credited for editing called The Public Relations Handbook. He joins me by phone, Robert Dylan Schneider. Hey, Bob, welcome back to the show. It's great to be on the show. The audience for the show is unbelievable. I mean, they, they really care about uh, the show and the information. So it's a wonderful privilege, Tom, to be on the show with you. Thank you. Well, I, you know, it's this book is fascinating to me. I worked in public relations for a number of years, and it's um, an interesting subject, but it has changed a lot. I remember a guy saying, um, in, in something that you said in the book, that, uh, you know, public relations isn't just writing press releases and... Uh, having good relations with the media anymore. And I remember somebody telling me, and this was 30-plus years ago, that um, pollsters were the new public relations. <laughs> what do you think about that, Bob? Well, you know, public relations uh, has changed so much. Uh, the obvious thing that everybody will say has changed is the new media and social media. But right. it's far, far beyond that. And uh, top management now doesn't make a move without considering the public aspects of it. So it's really nothing short of huge. And uh, I think the public relations is involved in mergers and acquisitions. It's involved in employee hiring and layoffs. It's involved in dealing with the COVID. It's involved with all these different things. And frequently, it doesn't use the media at all. I say to clients, in terms of your objectives, think of the one or two people, just one or two, that are really important to you and are going to make a difference for you, and let's figure out a way to reach those people. And if we do that, it generally works pretty well. Well, let me let me dig down on that a little bit more, Bob. Um, when you uh, talk about getting through to people, in this day and age, people doubt everything they doubt science they doubt their leaders they doubt authority they doubt the media there's just so much mistrust how do you get a message 
through to people who are likely to dismiss it out of hand. This is a huge, this is a huge problem, and everybody faces it every day on virtually every aspect of their life. It's getting people to believe you, and so in your messages, you have to put information that is so compelling and backed up that people just can't turn away from it. Having said that, people <clears throat> will continue to turn away from it. So you've got to do it again and again and again. And one of the ways to get people to believe you is to get endorsements for your public for what you have to say. So get serious people to endorse what you're going to say if the president, President Biden, were to step out, and he does frequently, and say things. If he would get people to endorse, and he doesn't do this, what he says, it would be a huge, huge success. This is something Ronald Reagan was so good at. He would say something, and then ten guys that came out of the woodwork would say, yep, that's right, Mr. President, we like it. Uh, Bill Clinton was very good at this, too. And uh, uh, this is something I think Mr. Biden has to figure out a way to master. He hasn't done it yet. And that, and that is important, and it's important who the people are that back you up on your claims, too. If you can find people trusted by the audience you're trying to reach, you're, you're getting ahead of the game, aren't you? Uh, very important. Uh, and again, with younger people, they trust and appreciate uh, younger people. Uh, older men and women trust and appreciate older men and women. So it's a matter of picking these people very carefully in terms, again, of who you want to reach. Uh, I know that uh, some people will say, let's get Snoop Dogg as a uh, uh, supporter or Dr. Dre as a supporter. I don't buy that. I think there are many, many younger people who will step forward and support younger claims. I remember many years ago I represented a singer named Whitney Houston who had a terrific voice, and she was just incredible. And uh, uh, we found ways, not just her voice, but we found ways to get her endorsed by other people. It made a huge difference in Whitney's acceptance at radio stations and television stations all over the country. That's extremely important, finding people of like mind who other people believe and getting them to endorse you and and yet i couldn't help noticing that snoop dogg was uh in in a commercial with um martha stewart during the super bowl right uh, martha stewart is has made one of the great comebacks of all time she was flying high everybody supported martha stewart and then all of a sudden the bottom dropped out, and she had to go to jail, and did, for several years. Now she's come back slowly, very smart the way she's done this, and uh, she's back in a spot where people again say, thank God for Martha Stewart. They don't discuss her time in jail. They don't discuss why she went to jail. I think if we had ten people in a room and we said, Martha Stewart was in jail, do you know that? Maybe three or four would say yes. But then if we said, what is she in jail for? no one would know. So uh, enough time has elapsed, and Martha Stewart has done enough to, uh, to totally overcome a negative image that 
she's again extremely successful. I, I I have a friend that likes to observe whenever he sees uh, Snoop Dogg and and Martha Stewart in in a photo op together, whether they're doing an ad or her show or whatever. <laughs> that there's two people standing there, and only one of them is a convicted felon. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not right. the one it's not the one you think um and in right. some ways i think because of that i think martha stewart is actually appealing to a larger audience than she did before and and certainly a different demographic than she did before uh, there's no question about that uh, uh, and uh, the audience that she appeals to now tom is far beyond the home homemaker uh, and person who operates at home, she's appealing to people at all levels, all stratas of society, and she's been very successful in a different time in a different way. And uh, if she had more time, <clears throat> Martha Stewart could run for political office and win. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, too, it's too late now for her. But she has the capacity, the intelligence, the personality, the drive, and and, uh, and frankly the wit to become a significant political candidate. I'm sure that has occurred to her. And the recognition is already there, which is a it's big... It's already there, so she's not, she's not starting from zero, exactly. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm curious how you would react to this and if it doesn't relate to some other stories that, that we see, but when, when Martha Stewart was, uh, was convicted, it was it was widely discussed that she got into more trouble trying to cover her crime than by committing the crime. The man who uh, wrote the book that really led to her conviction is now gone. His name was Chris Byron. And Byron wrote a very powerful book, and virtually on every other page there was something that uh, uh, indicated Martha Stewart was off base. Martha Stewart's people at that time encouraged her, and I know many of these people, to strike back at Byron. I remember I was asked by one of them, what do you think Martha Stewart should do? And I said nothing, and she shouldn't do anything. And the more she pushes back, the more she'll reinforce why these uh, things were written. But uh, time was uh, what it was, and she pushed back for a while. You'll notice, I think, that in the, in the last probably three or four years, Martha Stewart has been very, very quiet. Now, just recently, in the last probably ten months, has she come out again talking not about her indictment or about her prison time, but about uh, uh, about what she does and, uh, and knows so well. I know that one of the people uh, who advises her uh, said to her, why don't we talk about the food and the uh, trappings in prison that would be a very bad mistake oh yeah yeah i think so but I, the the point i was trying to raise is that sometimes people get the notion of public relations wrong and and they think oh i've done something wrong i need to spin this i need to I need a public relations campaign that will cover this up, make this go away. And and they end up actually in worse shape than they were 
just facing the the gaff that they that they originally made, whether it was uh, clumsy or illegal. I, I think, Tom, the idea of reinforcing the negative is a very bad idea. Uh, no matter how powerful your positive story is, <laughs> if you tell a positive story, and for some reason it deals with a negative, people are going to go to the negative side. That's not a good thing to do. So you've really got to find a way <clears throat> to tell your story, unfettered, not dealing with the negatives, and get it across. That's what you have to do. And the minute somebody brings up the negative, walk away, because it's not going to help you. They have to deal with it. Do apologies um, work, or have they... Uh, is the public a little apology fatigued? That's a great question. Uh, I think that uh, in some cases, apologies do work. Uh, in most cases, they don't. But somebody coming forward and saying, I was wrong, and here's why, and here's the positive end of it, I think can work. If you say something uh, along the lines of, you know, the reason I'm reaching out uh, to say I was wrong is the show, the news columns, whatever it is, reaches millions of people, and I don't want them to be misled. Here's the facts. Here's the truth. That's extremely important to put the truth out there and to use the word truth. If you think bad information is out there, use the word truth. You want to advance the truth about this topic. People will relate to that. It's a very important thing we're talking about here, which is the selection of words. <clears throat> you just can't throw words at the screen or on the air. you got to select words that people know, understand, and will embrace. Truth is one of those words. And, and yet we've uh, been barraged for the last uh, four or five years with... Uh, terms like alternative facts and fake news. Um, how, do we, how do we tell what the truth is anymore? Uh, again, it's very important. Uh, when Walter Cronkite, I think some of your <laughs> listeners may remember him, was broadcasting, uh, you knew that he was telling the truth. Uh, I think he probably knew it too, and I think he probably did tell the truth. But what does that mean? It means that his persona his way of operating, literally what he wear, wore, the background behind him, the buildup he got, all of that argued for truth, and he was very good at that. And I think if somebody just ventures out there and uh, says something, the chances of it not being remembered or being perceived as not correct or untrue are pretty good. So again, you have to take what you're going to say and surround it with Elements that people will say, yep, that's right. Johnny Jones got it right again. Bob, I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Really be pleased to do it. Thank you. All right. My guest is Robert Dylan Schneider. And I hope I'm saying that right, Bob. I'm terrible with names generally. but uh, my, my mother would be applauding right now. Thank you. <laughs> and the book is The Public Relations Handbook. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that with Bob right after this. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with uh, Bob Dylan Schneider. His new book is The Public Relations Handbook, and he joins me by phone. Hi, Bob. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and again, sorry to make you sit through all that. Tom, it is just a flattering compliment to be on the show. <clears throat> Your program, its listeners, its content are just out of this world, so thank you. Um. Bob, why uh, why a new book on uh, on public relations? What were you hoping to uncover that's different about public relations now than it has been ten years ago or twenty five years ago? This is the fourth handbook I've written over the last thirty years, and the reason the fourth one is out there is things have changed so much. Two things have really marked the change. One is social media, and it's virtually in our lives every day, all the time. And the second, even more important, is public relations has penetrated virtually every aspect of human life today. It's much more than media relations. It's uh, Washington or state state capitals. It's involved in the Ukraine. It's involved in dealing with uh, China. There are all kinds of aspects to this, and uh, I felt they all had to be covered, and that's why they're in the book. You know, I remember people used to say, well, there's politics in everything. And and now it seems there's public relations in everything. Is that because so many people now are are able to communicate with large audiences because of social media? Uh, it's a great question. I think that uh, <clears throat> public relations is part of everything because people realize at the very top how much is on the line in terms of their personal success, uh, and they want to do whatever they can to make it clear that they are and can be successful. So that's one of the major factors in making this thing go. I think that... Uh, In addition, uh, there are people in politics, education, the media for sure, uh, who all understand the impact of public relations and how it can separate you and make you different from the rest of the pack. They have really encouraged this as well. So there's a lot that uh, is not seen in public relations, but it's pretty active out there. I was, uh, I I can't remember who it was, somebody I was talking to that was on the show recently shared with me off the air, I think through an email, that they had heard heard me say something during one of our political roundtables, and I I made a little joke, and and he said that, that he laughed right out loud when he heard me say that I get my news from Facebook. And... Well... (laughs) <laughs> but the but the thing is, and, and I remember John Stewart um, addressing this issue when he was still hosting The Daily Show. And there was a news report out that young people were getting their news from John Stewart. And he said, I think on CNN, he said, 
don't do that. Don't don't tune me in for the news. It's a it's a comedy show. These are jokes. And and I, I I'm a little concerned about the credibility of the information that's that's being so widely spread. First off, hurrah for John Stewart, and he's exactly right. Uh, and shame on all those people who are trying to deliver, quote, news, quote, that's not news, uh, through their various channels. One thing There's I no will say problem. about about the, the show when Jon Stewart was on it, the, the Daily Show, the news that they that they wrote to set up their jokes, I mean, you knew a joke was coming, but they had to put it in some sort of context. <laughs> the actual news piece, in my humble opinion, Bob, was some of the best news writing on television in decades. Uh, I Stewart had great writers. Johnny Carson had great writers. Yes, Dick he Kevin did. Had great writers. Uh, the late night talk show hosts today do not have great writers. Uh, the late night talk show hosts today are <clears throat> depending on insults and uh, uh, screaming and yelling. Uh, when in fact they're not really delivering much new information that makes takes people to a higher level. Uh, Cabot was extraordinary at this, uh, and of course Carson was incredible. But again, they had a team. I remember Carson had probably twelve different writers. They would get together every morning around nine thirty and prepare for the show. They would <clears throat> show Carson about twelve thirty in the morning, uh, twelve quarter past. 12 in the afternoon, rather, uh, what they had planned for the show. Carson would critique it. They would go back and spend another couple of hours working on it. And finally, near 3 or 4 o'clock, they had the show. And that's really something people in the current time just don't do. They come in at the current, current time, take off their coat, throw it at a hook on the wall, and start broadcasting. Dangerous, for sure. I don't know how to get back the Johnny Carson days. I wish there was a way to do it, but I'm not sure we're going to be able to figure it out. Well, part of the problem is <clears throat> that information travels so so fast now. That's right. I mean, it's a really a millisecond, and you've got it. Well, and, 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 you'll get it in dozens of ways. A couple of quick stories. I, I was doing the show at another radio station. There used to be a, um, and it was an early morning show, and we used to have a, uh, a PGA golf tournament in Flint called the Buick Open, and Tiger Woods um, was going to be playing in the Buick Open. I got an email while I was on the air. I read it and then went live with it like less than 30 seconds later, Bob. And Incredible. it had already been on Facebook. Incredible. Well, <clears throat> I think people, you know, we're, right now as we're listening and doing this show, Ukraine is really key. And uh, it's on top of everybody's mind. Right. And what is happening is uh, people are doing on various elements of Ukraine exactly what you described when you were uh, broadcasting right away. And so the information on Ukraine is flooding everything. And, and I'm very careful about, uh, you know, first of all, uh, about saying that I don't do news on my show per se. 
you know, occasionally I do a deep dive with somebody who's you would consider a newsmaker. So there might be some very topical events that will come up, but I never pass myself off as doing news. So that was unusual for me to do something that you could call breaking news. Well, you're one of the rare, rare broadcast hosts that can say that because most of them don't do that. They broadcast information as news. And again, that's pretty dangerous. If yeah, I, I, up, I, I just, I, I don't do that. And I was interviewing, um, and I thought this was very interesting. I, I interviewed a, um, an FBI profiler from Quantico once, and she said, well, she was on several times, but she said one of the times she was on the show that the initial news reports in the wake of a big event, a school shooting, uh, a bombing, you know, a church bombing, some some big event that that gets, uh, you know, that comes on the screen as breaking news, she said, all of the information for at least 24 hours will be wrong. It could be right. I, 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 I just... I just don't know. I know that. Well, she uh, she was pointing to you know the the number of people injured, the number of uh, uh, alleged shooters, for example, the type of weapons, all of these things that are reported out, um, you know, just immediately, almost as it's happening. She said they'll get it wrong. You know, it takes a little time to get your facts straight and to get things together. You talked about Johnny Carson, you know, spending the day preparing for a 5 o'clock show with a whole team of writers and picking things apart and, you know, getting it organized. And even though they were doing very topical stuff, it was pretty well vetted by the time he went on the air with it. Uh, absolutely. And again, I wish there was more of that out there. Uh, there's not people really swing from the uh, from the hip these days and just put it out there with their own opinion. Pretty dangerous, in my opinion, and an enormous disservice to the American public. Enormous. Yeah, I call that rant radio. There's a lot of it out there for sure. Yeah, there is. There is. So, in the in the the world of public relations, I remember a time when. Um, People that worked as as reporters for newspapers, uh, daily newspapers, is going back a little ways. Um, sometimes they would they would work for a while, they'd get a little burned out, and they'd take a job working for the mayor's office or a state representative or a congressman, and they would end up in public relations. Very rarely did it go the other way. Very very rarely did you get somebody's spokesperson end up going into journalism. The only example I can think of that, well, I can think of a couple. Like Chris Matthews is one, and uh, George Stephanopoulos is another. But usually they went from media into politics. And I, I, I don't know if... Um, and, and they went into it smarter because of their experience as journalists. I'm not sure that that's happening now. I think the almighty dollar is something that drives a lot of people these days. Yeah, uh, that's and, true. 
if you can make money uh, by leaving politics and going into PR, uh, I think a lot of people do that. Uh, I, that's your point. <laughs> I called, a lot of people. I called a reporter. Don't, don't I called. I called for a reporter I knew at the Flint Journal, and whoever had picked up the phone. Um, and and I didn't know this yet, but the person had left the paper and gone to work for somebody in Lansing. And the person who answered the phone when I asked for him said, "No, he got a real job." <laughs> right. That happens. You know, you're you're based in the state of Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Right. And, and that's a great state. Uh, I and my wife both went to Ohio State, and we found that people from Michigan had serious problems, whether they did or not. We, uh, we found that. And we always regaled the story of Woody Hayes, the football coach, right. driving back from a game in Ann Arbor and running out of gas. And his assistant coach said, Hayes, I can get the gas can and go back there and get some. And Hayes said, there's no way we're buying gas in the state of Michigan. We're pushing <laughs> the car over the line. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Um, but in the in the world of public relations now, um, what are the real goals of public relations? Have they changed? Uh, that's another great question. Because uh, I used I think to think of it as, you know, creating an environment in which sales could take place. But it's really moved way beyond that now. It has. <laughs> I think for everything you're involved in, one of the most important things is to sit down and write out the objective. Very simple sentence. What is the objective? What are we trying to achieve? That will determine what you do or don't do. Uh, most people don't do that. They just kind of run at the wall and throw it out there. Big mistake. And, uh, you know, with the Public Relations Handbook, which you've got, you're featuring on the show, my, my goal is to get this into the hands of people in different uh, environments that public relations touches, politics, education, uh, gaming, whatever it happens to be. And so far, that's, that's making sense. It's working. But you've got to have a very specific objective to be successful. I was just looking through uh, sort of an outline of... Um the sort of the missions of of public relations from supporting a company's marketing and sales which i just mentioned to um, positively positioning the company's commitment to environmental social and governance issues um, sure. being concerned about the environment and painting a uh... A, a positive picture of a company's uh, concern about the environment as well as social and governance issues is uh, become much more a part of public relations than it ever really has been in the past. A massive issue and uh, most organizations have a very hard time convincing people that they're on the side of the environment and they're not polluters very hard time doing that. Uh, but they work at it. And uh, right now we're in a situation which is not going to last for very long. But people are taking credit for being environmentally uh, correct. 
well, that's not going to last much longer because environmentalists and others are going to dig down and find out that people are not environmentally correct. And when they find that out, they're going to broadcast it. And when they, and when they broadcast it, it's going to be tough. And, and another one of those missions, and, and here's something I want to ask you about, supporting top management in the event of a crisis or scandal. Um, what, what are the right things and the wrong things to do with regard to public relations in terms of crisis management? Again, case by case, but I frequently say to management, uh, identify a spokesperson who is credible, arm that spokesperson with facts, uh, put them out there and start talking about facts all the time. Do not give in to speculation or opinions or maybe this happened. Don't do that. Constantly drive facts forward. And as you do it, tell people the reason you're driving facts forward is you want to give them a proper picture of what's going on. Very, very important to do that. Uh, frequently, a management top executive steps up to the podium, uh, starts talking about something that has no factual basis. It is a huge mistake. That individual, that man or woman, digs a deeper hole for themselves than uh, than they had before. And and what about efforts to um, minimize the problem, or at least the responsibility for the problem? Is it important to just fess up and fess up early? If there is a problem, the best thing you can do is say there's a problem. We agree there's a problem. Now let's do something about it. That's the best thing you can possibly do. Most people don't do that. They try to cover up the problem. Uh, that's not good because in covering up the problem, if it turns out that uh, people later find out there was a problem, that affects your credibility. So don't do that admit there's a problem and do do something about it. Um, again, uh, my guest is uh, Robert Dylan Schneider. He is uh, uh, credited with editing a new book, putting together a new book, The Public Relations Handbook. Bob, how did you put this book together? Is this based on your experience? Did you collect some professionals and, and share their wisdom? I looked for the best people I could possibly find who were experts in various areas. China, Japan, education, finance, media. And I asked them to write a chapter, and they did. And so what is it can be found in this book are chapters that don't necessarily come from my pen, although I edited all the chapters, but they come from the pens of people who are really smart. Frank Luntz, for example, who's a brilliant pollster, wrote a chapter on research. Uh, there's no way I could have written that chapter, but Frank did. And anybody who really cares about research would be really smart to read it because they'd be reading from the uh, words of the master. And and very quickly, because we just have a few minutes left, Bob, but I, I want to make sure you get a chance to talk a little bit about the Dylan Schneider Group which uh, you formed in, in uh, 1991. It's headquartered in New York and Chicago. What exactly is the group, and, and who makes it up? Well, the group is headquartered in New York and Chicago, and, of course, we just opened in Miami and Washington. 
and the group is made up of men and women who are senior. We have nobody under 50 years old in the company. And I like them already. <laughs> the company uh, with nobody under 50, uh, frequently I say to clients, they say, where's, uh, where's the person who does this? Where's the person who does that? And I said, here's the person who's got the judgment and the experience that uh, you need. And we put that person out there, and generally it works. Also, we have found people who are over 50 ask their colleagues for ideas and suggestions. They don't go on their own and just wing it, uh, which is a huge mistake. So it's very important to have senior people who know what's going on, who ask for advice, who've been through the the, the mill, and uh, who advise top clients. So our clients are big companies all over the world, uh, whether they're in Mexico or Japan or Europe, wherever they happen to be, uh, and uh, many in the United States, of course. And we advise them at the very top, and we do very little media relations for them. What we do for them is we identify opportunities and problems and chart a course on how to deal with them. Well, Bob, it's uh, always a pleasure to talk with you. And as you know, I like to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and the group and, and your work, past, present, and future. Um, Bob, do you have a, a website you'd like to share? You can go to the website, robertdillenschneider.com, uh, dillenschneidergroup.com. Anything you like, uh, you can... Uh, uh, call us if you'd like. We're in the, I hate to say it, we're in the phone book. There are no phone books today. But uh, you could call information and get the number for us in virtually any market where we operate, and we're happy to answer the phone. Always people over 50 answering the phone. Now, Bob, it was just a few weeks ago I was talking to you about the book Nailing It. Now we're talking about the Public Relations Handbook. Um, is the next book already finished? Uh, we've got two more uh, on the griddle right now, and uh, one will be on hopefully early next year. Well, it just seems like you're knocking these out pretty fast, and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Bob. And and thank you so much for spending uh, some time and some expertise with me and the listeners, and keep up the good work. Tom, this is a great show, and it's a privilege to be with you. Thank you. Take care. That was uh, Robert Dylan Schneider, the author of uh, a new book out called The Public Relations Handbook. He also uh, just very recently uh, came out with a book called Nailing It, How History's Awesome 20-somethings Got It Together. Um, very bright and talented uh, guy and a, and a pleasure to have on the show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with the uh, final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program, our broadcast. Uh, we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are, of course, WFOVLP, our voices radio, 92.1 FM Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House, Spectacle Productions, and my good friend Paul Herring. And uh, if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We have uh, one more final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And, of course, Armchair Politics coming up uh, tomorrow. 
maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Loan Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flood Technology, My Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work, and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger, and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Ellen Sherman, Cleveland housewife and mother. Hi, I'm a nuclear physicist and commissioner of consumer affairs. In my spare time, I do needlepoint, read, sculpt, take writing lessons, and brush up on my knowledge of current events. Thursday's my day at the daycare center, and then there's my work with the deaf. But I still have time left over to do all my own baking and practice my backhand, even though I'm on call 24 hours a day as a legal aid. How does Ellen Sherman do it all? She's smart. She takes speed. The tiny blue diet pill you don't have to be overweight to need. And then I collect these paper bags. 
And I have them right here, all folded and everything. In case anyone needs a paper bag, I have them. Yes, one. Speed. Because I fold them neatly, you know. I don't fold them just any old way. I Why not ask your family doctor for a prescription today? And when that runs out, you can ask your neighbor's doctor. And your mother's doctor. And your college roommate's doctor. And your best friend from high school's doctor. And your babysitter. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Newhart. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Many of you may have read The Hidden Persuaders. It's about advertising. And one of the points the book made was that the real danger of the public relations man or the advertising man was that they were creating images. And they felt that in the presidential campaigns, the candidates were really getting closer and closer together. There was no real difference between them. And you were really voting for the man. And this got me to thinking, supposing this science were as far advanced during the Civil War as it is today, and there was no Lincoln. Now, the advertising people realizing this would have had to create a Lincoln. And I think they would have gone about it something like this. This is a telephone conversation between Abe and his press agent just before Gettysburg. Uh, Hi, Abe, sweetheart, how are you, Jay? How's Gettysburg? Sort of a drag, huh? Well, Abe, you know them small Pennsylvania towns. <laughs> you seen one, you seen them all. <laughs> right. Uh, listen, Abe, I got the note. What, what, what's the problem? You're, you're, you're thinking of shaving it off. Uh, Abe, uh, don't you see that's part of the image? Right, with the, with the shawl and the stovepipe at the string tie. You, you don't have the shawl. Uh, where's the shawl, Abe? You left it in Washington. What are you wearing, Abe? A sort of cardigan? Abe, uh, don't you see that doesn't fit with, with the, with the uh, string tie and the beard? Abe, would you, would you leave the beard on and get the shawl, huh? All right, well, now what's this about Grant? You're getting a lot of complaints on Grant's drinking, huh? Uh, Abe... To be perfectly honest with you, I don't see the problem. I mean, you knew he was a lush when you pointed him, you see what I mean? You're gag writers. Yeah, you're gag writers. You're, you you want to come back with something funny? Huh? Maybe an anecdote about a town drunk? Well, I can't promise anything, Abe. I, I, I'll get him working on it. All right, Abe, you got the speech. Abe, you haven't changed the speech, have you? Uh, Abe, what do you change the speeches for? 
couple, a couple minor changes. I'll, I'll, I'll bet. All right, all right, all right. What are they? You, you what? You, you typed it. <laughs> Abe, uh, how many times have we told you on the backs of envelopes? <laughs> I, I understand it's harder to read that way, Abe, but it, it looks like you wrote it on the train coming down. Or something like that. <laughs> Abe, could you do this? Could you memorize it and then put it on the backs of the envelopes? <laughs> We're getting a lot of play in the press on that. How are the envelopes holding out? <laughs> you, you can stand another box. All right, I'll, 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 I'll stand another Right. What, what else, Abe? You changed you change four score and seven to, to 87? <laughs> I, I understand it's not the same thing, Abe. Well, Abe, that's meant to be a grabber. Uh, Abe, uh, we test marketed that in Erie, and they went out of their minds about it. Trust well, Abe, it's sort of it's sort of like Mark Anthony saying, uh, uh, "Friends, Romans, countrymen, I've got something I want to tell you." You see, you, you see what I mean, Abe? Abe? What, what, what else? People will little note nor long remember. Abe, what could possibly be wrong with that? They'll remember it. Abe, they'll remember it. It's the old humble bit. Uh, you can't say it's a great speech. I think everybody's going to remember it, Abe. Uh, you come off a braggart, don't you see that? Hey, Abe, do the speech the way Charlie wrote it, would you? Uh, the inaugural address swung, didn't it? Uh, all right, and, 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 anything else? You, you talked to some newspaper men. Uh, Abe, I wish you wouldn't talk to newspaper men. Well, you always put your foot in. No, that's just what I mean, Abe. No, 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 no. You were a rail splitter, then an attorney. Hey, Abe, it, do it doesn't make any sense that way. I mean, you wouldn't give up your law practice to become a rail splitter, don't you? W would you read the biog, Abe? You'll save a lot of trouble on this end. Uh, uh, Abe, Abe, listen, before I forget, um, um, the manufacturer is, is coming out with the Abe Lincoln T-shirt uh, on Tuesday. Uh, could, could you work that into the address somewhere, Abe? Uh, play it by ear, wh wh whatever you can do. Uh, Abe, you, have you got a pencil and paper there? Would you take this down? You can fool all of the people some of the time and some of the people all of the time. But you can't fool all the people all the time. Well, you keep doing it differently. <laughs> but the last quote I got was, you can fool all the people all the time. And you're... Abe, Abe, hold on, hold on. Uh, they come up with a thing on Grant. Oh, right, right. Good, good, good. Yeah, all oh, beautiful. Abe, listen to this. this is, they got a beautiful squelch on Grant. Right. The next time they bug you about Grant's drinking, right, you tell them you're going to find out what brand he drinks, and send a case of it to all your other generals. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's, it's uh, like, like the brand uh, was the reason he won. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, uh, Abe, uh, use it, it's funny. But, uh, trust me, Mr. Uh, Saturday, Saturday night, 
Oh, Abe, I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in New York Saturday night. A, a bridge party at the White House. Oh, Abe, I'd I'd love to make it. Uh, how about Seward? You try him. <laughs> he, he'll be out of town too, huh? Oh, that's that's a, you 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 and, you and uh, what's your name? Be home alone. Mary, be home alone. Huh? Uh, listen, Abe, uh, why don't you take in a play? <laughs> I'll, I'll be talking to you. Go ahead. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. I mentioned earlier that tomorrow is uh, armchair politics and uh, we'll have uh, Bobby Clayton Walton will be joining our roundtable regulars. I hope you will be too for tomorrow's edition of armchair politics. I want to say thanks to all the guests on the show today. Uh, Robert Dylan Schneider, uh, founder of the Dylan Schneider Group and author of uh, a new book called The uh, Public Relations Handbook. Before that, his book was called Nailing It. He was on just a few weeks ago, but what a great uh, what a great guest. And uh, before that, we talked with um, the, the uh, let's see, what is it, the, how do they, what do they call her? The Corporate Fixer, HR consultant, Tamika Sears, author of a new book called How to Tell if You're an A-Hole Boss, a humorous yet honest expose on misguided management behaviors. And we started out this morning with uh, former science and health writer for the Boston Globe and the author of a new medical thriller about gene editing called crispr a medical thriller. And that, of course, was uh, uh, Judy Foreman. And um, that's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. But uh, as I mentioned, tomorrow's Wednesday. It's Armchair Politics Day. So I'll be back with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And I hope you will be, too. In the meantime, good night, everybody. program is a live variety show we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the flint area 
Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.